Welcome, everyone, to the Roaring Lion Podcast, where we meet interesting lions and discuss relevant topics affecting Lions Club International. I'm your host, Lion Paul Fugit. Our topic today is NAMI, the North American Membership Initiative. My guest today is past international director Jerome Thompson. PID Jerome is a member of the Moulton, Alabama Lions Club and was elected to serve as international director in 2015. He has been a member of the Moulton Lions Club since 1989. PID Jerome currently is currently the GAT Constitutional Area One leader and is one of the leaders of NAMI. PID Jerome, welcome to the Roaring Lion Podcast. Lion Paul, thank you for inviting me to be on your podcast today. It's my honor uh, to share some information concerning the North American Membership Initiative and assist you in uh, producing a tremendous broadcast that is going to help lions around the world. And thank you very much for joining us. So tell us a little about yourself. Who is Jerome Thompson? Well, let me tell you, Lion Paul, Jerome Thompson is just an average lion, puts his pants on like everyone else. Uh, I practice law uh, in a small town of 3,500. Uh, I've been practicing law for the last 31 years, specializing in real estate and probate. Uh, most of my time now is consumed with Lions Clubs International. My role is the uh, global action team, Constitutional Area One leader. Uh, I have 15 outstanding area leaders across the United States and uh, the Bahamas and the Caribbean islands who, do, who help us to focus on helping districts reach their goals, who uh, facilitate communication, solve problems and share best practices. I have two sons, both of whom are lions. Uh, both of them also are involved and work with the uh, church. I have two wonderful daughter-in-laws and most proud of my only grandson who will be three next week, and that's Henderson uh, Clark Thompson. Yep. Just Rome in a nutshell. <laughs> I always see pictures of your grandson. You're you're definitely a proud grandpa. So why did you become a member of Lions Club, Jerome? Lion Paul, that's an interesting story. You know, in 1989, when I passed the bar and started practicing law, uh, I had a, a lion come to me and say, Jerome, uh, we'd like for you to visit with Lions Club. Everyone that's a shaker, mover in town is a member of Lions Club, which was true. And I went and I visited with them, and I went home. And my wife said, Jerome, what did you think? And I said, I think it's like having dinner with your granddads. I had 30 granddads there. And he, she says, so you're not going to join? I said, no, I'm not going to join. And so one of the lions come by and he says, what did you think? I said, y'all do great work. And 
I've got a small child and I'm so busy and I'm trying to start a practice. I made a thousand excuses. Uh, Lion Rat then says, well, Jerome, did you look around the room? There's a lot of older members here and we're going to need wills and deeds and estate work done. And I think if you join our club, you can pick up a lot of uh, business. And I said, uh, how much does it cost? And I wrote him a check. And that's why I joined, because I thought that I would be able to do a lot of business. 31 years later, I think I've done two deeds, and I've yet to bill enough to cover that first check that I wrote. <laughs> but I stay because of the service and the impact that we make. <clears throat> it was shortly thereafter when we were at Walmart selling brooms and mops that the, an older fellow come up, and I offered to, to sell him a broom or mop. And he squinted and he says, you're a lion. I said, yes, sir. He says, y'all bought me my first pair of glasses. And he reached in his pocket and he says, I don't have much uh, money, but he dropped about 75 cents worth of change in the bucket and he went on in Walmart. And my heart just immediately became swollen with uh, excitement and, and proud to be a lion because we had impacted him to the point that he wanted me to know that we'd bought the first pair of glasses. But then he started bringing ladies outside out from Walmart saying, don't buy the cheap stuff in there. Buy the uh, brooms and moss from Lions Club. They bought me my first pair of glasses. And I knew then we had permanently put a smile on his face and we had forever changed his life. And I wanted to be a part of an organization that did that. And I still am today a part of an organization that puts smiles on the faces of those who are less fortunate. And we're changing the world one smile at a time. That was a, that's a good story there, Jerome. Uh, what is the best service project you've ever been a part of as a lion? Mm. You know, we, there's so many good service projects. Uh, one that I, that I've always enjoyed doing is assembling the diabetic uh, emergency kits that we give to the school system. Uh, every year we, we take a pencil pouch, we have the box of juice, we have the crackers, we have the glucose tablets, and uh, the, some cake icing that uh, teachers can rub inside the, the jaw or the mouth of a student if they, uh, their blood sugar drops way low and, and save their life until the nurse can get there. We put together about 100 of those. That's always exciting. You know, our vision screening program that where we impact about 1,000 students checking their vision, we find 12% of them that need uh, additional professional services and screening, and we help probably eight or 10 of those students to buy glasses because their family can't afford it. That is such a great program. And then this summer, we had the opportunity to partner with the library because of COVID. They weren't able to help their have their summer reading program, but Lions volunteered to read where that they could send those uh, recordings out. And that was their summer reading program. And so it was real rewarding to be able to read a book and know that you were promoting literacy skills, you were modeling uh, literacy skills, and you were making an impact in, in some low income areas across our county. That, that's three that, that I just love. All right, Jerome, let's get into the uh, topic here of this podcast. What is the North American Membership Initiative? The North American Membership Initiative is a process. It's a paradigm shift. It's helping our association in North America to reverse a membership loss, a trend of losing members, 
to be stabilizing and turning that trend positive. It's an opportunity for lions and districts to begin to build a team. And from that team, then to build a vision. And from that vision to work together and build a plan and then implement that plan and build success. Each of those steps uh, I could talk about for just a few minutes, or I can just tell you that that's the process. We've become club and district centered. For too long, our, at the top of our organizational chart, we've had executive officers, and we've flipped the chart because the most important thing that we have going for our association is clubs. That's where new members come in, that's where our next generation of leaders are found. That's where our service is conducted. And of course, our districts, because it's that leadership that organizes those 40, 45, 50 clubs in their district and helps them to be empowered to expand our footprint of service, to engage more volunteer members, and to provide more leadership opportunities. Uh, PID Jerome, why do we have NAMI? Why now? The North American Membership Initiative uh, was developed because it's been 40 years since we've had membership growth in North America. Uh, our membership is, in the last 40 years has decreased from 600,000 to about 300,000 here in the United States and affiliate countries. If we don't do something now, we are going to be in a position to really be hurting in a few years. And so uh, this North American Membership Initiative has taken and, and realized that we can, in fact, rejuvenate districts with new clubs. We can revitalize clubs with new members, and we can remotivate our current members with new fellowship and new service opportunities. Uh, when you guys started this program, uh, Jerome, what was one of the main reasons that you found that we've lost 50% of our members since the 1980s? Well, a, a lot of that has to do with the fact that we've slowed down in forming clubs. A lot of that has to do with that some of our clubs have uh, become a little bit more uh, mature and maybe not as interested as in bringing new blood in, into their club. And some of them, to be quite honest, have just become stale and they don't need new ideas. They don't need uh, new enthusiasm. They are just content. And so what we have done is we have given every district the opportunity to be, to invite everyone across the district to come together and ask questions like, what do we expect of our district governor? What do we expect of a zone chair? What do we expect of our clubs? What's our strengths? Where do we really excel? What are some of our weaknesses, things that we really need to improve on? What are some threats? And I'll be honest with you, when we started this process two years ago, we no one in any meeting that I attended said that COVID was a threat. But it is a threat to our very existence. And we have uh, been resilient and we have bounced back and we have transitioned from in live meetings to online meetings. We have transitioned from uh, serving face-to-face uh, -to, -face to safely serving in creative ways. 
we've found ways to serve online and, and raise funds online. But our, when we get the, our folks together and we talk about our strengths, our weaknesses, our opportunities, and our threats, then we shift our focus and say, how do each of those areas that we've identified affect new member, new clubs, new members, retention? What resources do we need in order to do a better job? What training do we need? And every district is different. For too long, we have had a top-down mentality where the programs were developed by experts and filtered down to the clubs. And it took anywhere from two to three years to get that information down to clubs. Now, when we flip the chart, districts are able to determine for themselves what is needed for their district to excel in the area of new clubs, new members and retention. What leadership development, what training do they need? And they are developing some very unique ideas and those best practices are bubbling up toward the top. And then we as the global action team and as staff are beginning to share those on Facebook. We're sharing those in some of our messaging. We're all becoming a better association because we're strengthening the very thing that is important to our club, to our organization, as that is the strength of our club. Uh, I'm excited about the North American Membership uh, Initiative. I firmly believe that when you get, when you invite everyone across your district, you get 35 to 40 Lions to come together and brainstorm for two or three hours, that you're going to put together a plan of action that is second to none. And also, you're going to find Lions that really want to volunteer to do anything. Because where Alliance passion and their purpose intersect, we're going to find success. Every Lion is not going to be good at starting clubs. Every Lion is not going to be good at inviting new members. Every Lion will not be good at helping to retain, mentor, orientate Lions. But someone in every club is. And so when we match the task to the interest, the passion to the purpose, our organization is better, and we begin to move forward. In those nine pilot districts, membership in one year using this process was 52 members better than it was the previous year. And that's even with COVID slowing us down in the last five months. Had we not been interrupted by the COVID, the shelter-in-place orders, I firmly believe that our membership in those nine districts would have been 150 better than it was the previous year. And if we can do that in 253 districts across Constitution Area 1, we can see positive membership growth this year, next year, and every year thereafter. We can return to our position of prominence and be the leaders of Lions in the world once again. You kind of answered my question of why this uh, program is important, Jerome. Uh, what are some of the ideas that you've seen coming from the grassroots up that uh, I see you post them on Facebook a lot, but what are some that really stand out to you? Let, let's take those, if I can, one focus group at a time. And that first focus area is rejuvenating districts with new clubs. What we found in a, in a lot of the pilot districts is that when we formed branches, to our existing clubs, 
that we could grow those branch of special interest people to 20 and spin it off into its new club. And so our current clubs can become incubators for future clubs simply by starting branches, special interest branches, bringing people together that are interested in diabetes, bringing people together that are interested in uh, veterans affairs, bringing people together that are interested maybe in childhood cancer, five of those and let them bring their friends, their families and neighbors and grow them to 20, 25, 30 and spin them off into their own club. The other thing that, that was just really remarkable is one of our districts uh, worked with uh, Facebook and Facebook advertising to promote their informational meeting when they were coming to a town. And they report that uh, eight people responded that an RSVP using the uh, Facebook ads. And of those, six of them showed up to the informational meeting and six joined that night. And so it goes back to letting us know that maybe we need to do a better job of starting a Facebook page for a new club, even before they, they've started asking our current members across the district to like that page and to share that page with their friends, their families, their neighbors, and then begin to run some Facebook ads to get our message out there better to supplement what we're doing, knocking on doors uh, of businesses and canvassing because we have people that aren't in those businesses, they're in their homes, homemakers, retired individuals that really need a place to serve. And so that idea alone, I think is worth its weight in gold. As we move to the second one, and that's bringing new members into existing clubs, we had several uh, who districts, pilot districts, that utilize the uh, membership growth event toolbox. It's been out there on the website for Lions International, but it's not really been picked up or used. And so you can go to lionsclubs.org now, hit the search box and type uh, membership growth event. There's a six week guide to planning and organizing a membership growth event. We had one club in Pooler, Georgia, who followed that uh, guide to the letter of the law and invited 100 people uh, to their membership growth event. 11 of them joined the club that night. One of the other great things is that one of our pilot districts had a membership growth event planned when the shelter in place order was issued by the governor and they could not hold their event. And they immediately transitioned to go to meeting or Zoom and, and contacted everyone who had RSVP'd and says, join us online. And they told about their club. They, they had people that they had helped tell about how that they'd been impacted by their local Lions Club. And they too, I believe now are at 13 new members because they shifted to an online platform and didn't give up just because of COVID. Uh, we had clubs that were doing what I call a safari hunt. They were going, uh, their club secretary was going in, printing out that list of members they've dropped in the last five years and going back to them and asking them, would they like to join? And some of those members, just circumstances have changed. Moms or dads that had health issues that was keeping them from serving is no longer having those issues. Children who were in Little League uh, sports programs have grown up and they're, they're ready to serve again. And there was one club that had dropped 100 Lions over the last 15 years, went back and, and invited those Lions to, to come back 
and four of them come back. Now, four doesn't sound like a whole lot when you just think about four, but really when you think about the number of people that we serve per lion, when we bring four lions in, that's 400 more people in a community that are impacted. And then when we talk about that third area, new service and new fellowship, this, we had a lot of clubs in a lot of the pilot districts that had become a little stale. They'd become check writing clubs. And when they were encouraged to just have one hands-on service project per quarter and report it, they found that their members got so excited. They were serving in new and creative ways. They were painting houses. They were building ramps. They were reading books. They were doing all kinds of, of things that people were able to see the smiles that we put on the faces of others. And so because of that, last year in those nine pilot districts, our retention rate went up. And in the United States last year, we reduced the number of drops we had versus the year before by 5%. And that's the trend we're on already for this year. And it's because we've shifted to being a hands-on service organization, getting out there, picking up trash, getting out there, testing and screening vision, getting out there and, and interacting with diabetic children. That is the key to it. And then finally, that fourth area is leadership development, supporting the other three areas with training and resources that they need. And one of our districts uh, did a deli, a district enhanced leadership institute. They invited every club to sponsor one or more of their members at $50. And rather than having to go to an alley or an alley uh, somewhere across the United States and spending the weekend and, and plane tickets, all that, they held a similar program in their district over three different weekends so no one had to take off of work. And they had 18 folks that showed up. When it was time for the district convention, 18 out of those 18, 13 attended the district convention for the first time ever. And some of those now are serving this year as zone chairs. And one of them got in line to be uh, the second vice district governor. We can see an impact in the quality of lions because we've added value to their life by providing this, them this daily opportunity. That's a long answer to a short question but there's so many great uh, ideas out there and they continue to be shared. And if you've not gone on Facebook to the North American Membership Initiative, uh, NAMI, Lions NAMI page, you need to go and like it because there's so many ideas there that will help your club, help your zone, help your district. We are in this together. We're gonna walk alongside each other. We're gonna encourage each other and we're gonna be stronger day by day. Yeah, just to comment on that uh, long answer, Jerome, the first thing with the uh, Facebook pages, when we formed our Bellevue Club here in District 90C in Iowa, we actually put a Facebook ad out there during the Blitz Week, and we got two perspectives out of that, and we also had several people comment saying that, oh, I saw your ad on Facebook, I knew you guys were in town, you know, things like that. So I can attest that definitely does work with uh, Facebook for sure. And when we were discussing before we started the podcast about our uh, uh, membership and marketing plan, uh, we did figure out uh, some of the things there 
of how we had to enhance the member experience kind of as, as you were saying that a little bit. And we did go back and look at, we went three years, uh, Lion Drum instead of five years, went three years back. There were, we had 15 dropped and we got one back. And like you said, that may not sound like a lot, but that's, that's one. And that one is now our vice president because, uh, with Rajou, revitalizing and rejuvenating our club. He is so thankful to come back in now that of all the hands-on service you were doing. Uh, I know when I attended your seminar at Grand Rapids, you did the whole ambulance, uh, you know, the, uh, the uh, uh, siren going and all that stuff. I can't remember what you called that uh, seminar, Jerome. Uh, code, code purple resuscitation CPR for weak clubs CPR for weak clubs yep and uh, uh, I have taken to heart the main thing I remember from that uh, seminar you did was high impact high visibility low cost those, th- those three phrases you said and boy oh boy taking that from what you said there and applying it to our club here in little Mount Vernon, Iowa, we're plus 12s in three years. And I feel like if clubs focus on that service a little more as to doing the check writing, you know, that really helps in uh, act. We call it actively serving your community. And I, you know, uh, there you can do this and, and, I feel like now our club is starting to get some leadership in it, and maybe one day those leaders will step outside the club, hopefully. But it, it, it I, there's no magic wand, Jerome. I think everybody knows that. But I feel like it's not going to happen overnight either. This, this is going to be like a three- to five-year process, uh, would, would you say? I, I would agree that it's going to have to be a consistent process. Uh, and you've got to, to continue to stop and, and refuel just like you do with your car. You're going to have to refuel. And what we have found in these nine pilot districts is those that had regular communication every month with the team of leaders, the zone chairs, the region chairs, the district governor team, the North American membership initiative champion. And they said, what did we accomplish in the last 30 days? Oh, what can we do better and what do we want to accomplish in the next 30 days? And when they did that consistently every month, that communication, and they stayed focused on their goal, they were a lot more successful than those who wrote the plan, described it once, and didn't revisit it. And the, the good thing about having nine pilot districts is we had all types of clubs, from small clubs to large clubs, from districts that was well over the 1250 to districts that was at 900 and struggling to get up to 1250. And from that, we learned that the process works if you work the process, but we also learned that it has to be flexible because every district has its own personality. And so we've got your club your way, but this North American membership initiative is almost your district your way. You as the district governor, you put together a team and you let everyone participate in building that vision 
and you consistently communicate, you will find results. You'll meet, you'll reach your benchmarks and our association is better because of each and every one of the um, actions that you've taken. And the global action team that, that I get the opportunity to share in, uh, to chair here in the US, our job is to model that good communication monthly to be talking with the council chairs, the district governors, finding out what resources they need, working with staff to, to develop and deliver those resources, share best practices across uh, our areas and across the, the constitution area to facilitate communication and solve problems. And most important to let people know that we're here to help you to reach the district goals. And notice I call them district goals because when the district comes together and develops them, no district governor can take ownership of them anymore. It's the district goals and everyone in the district takes ownership. They've invested in their development and they're invested in reaching those. And the district governor becomes the chief executive officer who keeps the, the, the benchmark out in front of them and does everything that he or she can do to move us in that direction. But we empower the lions in our district, in our zones, in our clubs to fulfill their vision of what a club, a zone, and a district should look like. Yep, uh, that's well said, Jerome. Uh, uh, so how does how the GAT team, Global Action Team, uh, help out with this process? You know, we, I've got 15 outstanding area leaders across the, uh, the U.S., and uh, there's no way that I could ever do the work that they do. Uh, each of them have built a relationship with the district governors and council chairs so that they, they become that resource person to facilitate that communication. They have concentrated last year and this year to not just being a leader because they have a position, but being a leader because that the people in their area have given them permission to lead because they've added value to the lives of others. They've added value to the districts, to the zones, and to the lions. And then because of those relationships they've built, we are beginning to see that each area is producing results. Membership trends are flattening out. It's a sort of like wearing your mask with this COVID-19. You just look for, for us to begin to level out so that the COVID will drop off. Well, what we're looking for is to level out so we can begin to, to build our membership by exp and expand our service. And we see that happening. Uh, and so we are then also, our next function is to build and produce other leaders. We're modeling good leadership behavior but we're also encouraging and mentoring the council chairs and the district governors in their journey to becoming a more productive leader that promotes people because really a leader's job is not to take and develop followers, but to develop more leaders. And each of the area leaders across the United States are busy this year sharing best practices, sharing resources, and promoting people, developing leaders, so that our organization is better this time next year because we have more people equipped and empowered to use their energies and their enthusiasm to reach goals. 
Well, uh, I want to thank you, Lion Jerome, for coming on the podcast. Uh, before we uh, let you go here, do you have any final thoughts for the listeners? Lion Paul, first of all, let me thank you for inviting me. I am just energized because we've had this conversation today. If there was just one thing that each of your leaders could do that are listening to the podcast, and that is pick up their phone, call their zone chair, call their club president, call their district governor and say, how can I help us be more successful? What does our plan look like and where do I fit in that plan? Because just think for a moment what kind of power that we would have if 300,000 lions all stepped off in the same direction at the same time, serving, engaging new members, and providing leadership opportunities. Greatness is just around the corner, and we've got to keep marching toward it. Thank you so very much for allowing me to be part of your, uh, your podcast today. It, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, Jerome, and I, I've learned a lot about NAMI, uh, uh, hearing it from you, and I, I really hope that this program is successful for uh, the next, for the near future, because as you said, uh, when you did your code, code purple uh, back in 2015, that uh, lions in North America need to uh, start uh, we, we need to do a, a, a we need to have a, a renaissance of lionism in North America here in the next five years. Would you, if that's what you want to call it, of uh, what needs to be done here? Because there's still so much service out there, and uh, I really appreciate you coming here today. And I uh, I hope that this pro program is successful, and when we look back on it, we'll say if this was the program that finally turn the ship for Lions Club in North America. Thank you, Paul. And remember, it's not a program. It's a process. It's a process. Yep. Build a team, build, build a vision, build a plan, build success. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ryan Jerome, and you have a good day. You too.